Hello, Interwebs, and welcome to Close Up. I'm your co-host, Joe. And I'm cold. I'm Ryan. <laughs> Aren't we all up here in Canada? Well, I don't know what we're talking about today. Ryan somehow suckered me into coming completely unprepared into a debate and in defense of... I, I have no idea. I'm just... He's, he's going to take the reins from me here, and um, we'll see how this goes. Well, Joe, some would say this is a debate that should have been done on day one. Some would say it was a debate made 10 years in the making just because of film release schedules. But also, I was slacking in terms of seeing a certain film. And I gave you a hint last week, and he didn't pick up on it. But we're finally going to do it. We're finally going to do what nerds have been wanting every nerdum to do. I feel like I have a feeling where you're going time. with this. Superman 1978 versus the Man of Steel. We're going to do it. That's not Pick your side, We're Joe. going with it. Oh. <laughs> For some reason, I thought you were going to go Superman 78 versus Batman 89. No. <laughs> you're like... like no, no, this makes yeah, Superman versus Man of Steel. Uh yeah, obviously not Man of Steel. <laughs> not not between those two. I thought we could have a fun one today and just go balls to the wall debate. Let's see if things get a little uh, dicey or not. Probably won't. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm ready for a fight. I'm always Yeah. Alrighty. That's the medium shot, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> sure. So I, I don't guess, know how this uh, works. <laughs> yeah, sure. Let's get let's get a New York close up and just yeah. What's you you your your you your idea? Your you take first shot. Alrighty. Well, here's the thing about 1978. Even though I just watched this last week, it's good. Don't get me wrong. Like wrong. I've already fucked up. <laughs> don't get me wrong. It's great. It's a great movie. You overall. stuttered. You lost. I know. <laughs> Just everyone in the crowd. <laughs> um, yeah, great film. You know, plays to the the old golden age of Superman, and he's the golden boy. He's the all American boy. He's the Boy Scout. He's the guy. He's the happy go lucky person. My thought: <laughs> boring. How about we tell a modernized version? <laughs> I don't actually think that. Uh, <laughs> no, no, go with this. Go with this. <laughs> yeah, see you can see you. the rage, the rage fueling Joe right now. <laughs> Look what I've done to him. I'm opening my notepad up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Not your... <laughs> Ryan thinks he can win a debate against me by not letting me prep. Let's see what happens. He's He knows my plan. Um why don't we tell a modernized version of Superman in the modern day? How would he act? How would he feel? How would how would the world react to a man who is basically the powers of a god, you know? Um, and what would happen if he has the ultimate struggle between choosing his life on Earth or his life beyond the stars, the Kryptonians, and how they would feel about... Um, you know, terraforming the earth into the image of Krypton. What does the man of steel think? What, what should he choose? Should he choose his heritage or should he choose the life that he was given the life that basically that John Kent and Martha, did you say Martha Kent 
gave Why him. Why did you say that, that name? Was be, <laughs> that was to be human. So, yeah, that is my pitch for why Man of Steel is better. It's hard to say out of my mouth. <laughs> okay. Well, <clears throat> not even getting into any technical side here. What I'll say is Superman 1978 is just the story of Superman. Man of Steel is a reimagining of that story. The elements are there, but by its design, Man of Steel was going out of its way to put Superman in a context he's not usually in, in this grounded, more cynical reality where being a hero is something, isn't, is an objective that he struggles with. It's not his first choice in life. It's not something he really wants to do, but feels responsible for just because with great power comes great responsibility. I know it's a Spider-Man line, but it applies. Um, Is he allowed to say that legally? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I guess we'll find out. Uh, Yeah. That's what, that's what man of steals about. It is, it is the story of Superman. Farm boy from uh, alien from the stars shows up on earth, ends up becoming a hero. But the how is a lot different. That was never really the point of Superman. Superman was never really about the why. It was just because helping people's the right thing to do. And he's got the power to do it. And it's It's kind of funny even because thematically they're so different, right? Man of Steel, the whole point, everyone's telling him don't, don't help. Like Pa Kent says, ah, well, don't, don't really, don't really help. And Jor-El says, well, you, you shouldn't really be helping either, but I I brought you, actually, no, no, Jor-El in Man of Steel says, no, you can be the beacon of light they can strive towards it's interesting that it's his Kryptonian father who tells him to be the beacon of hope. And his Earth father says, eh, you can if you really want, I guess. Uh, that's not really the story of Superman, though. The whole I, I like the original story where Jor-El says, no, 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 I'm sending you to Earth where you will be powerful and being powerful will make you safe. But like, don't interfere. That's not. That's not what you're here for. You can kind of help them, I guess, but you're not to interfere in human affairs. But it's his parents, his earth parents, that instill him with all the values that make him want to make a difference in the world in the first place. Well, spoilers for Superman, the movie, and Man of Steel, I suppose. Obviously. Yeah, like, in Man of Steel, he's he's strong-armed into it. He's only helping out because he is physically the only person powerful enough to stop Zod and Zod's invasion. Whereas the original Superman, he just, he's just a hero cuz. And that, that's all the explanation that's needed. And that's, that's more Superman to me. Just based on the story I prefer 
Superman's the kind of character who's interesting because he doesn't need a reason. All right. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. However, no, I, <laughs> I'm just going to, I'm just going to do that. Uh, what is it? Like the red pill thing where it's like, if I, if I'm the loudest one, then I'm the most right. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> you play the internet better than I do. <laughs> um, yeah, all all good takes. It's a you know, it's it's cute. You know, it's cute. You know, like you, you want to choose to be the good guy, then you can be the good guy. But you know, modern modern life, they don't want you to be good. They want you to stick to your own. They want you to shut up and just be a part of society and and, and their ways. And I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm grabbing at straws here, but they, they they don't want. They don't even want Superman around. That's what sucks. That's what freak. sucks about he's this a modern day. Yeah, he's a weirdo. He's an absolute freak, even though he's built like an absolute unit and he's just an absolute spectacle of a GQ man of the year in Henry Cavill. Yeah. And you know, he wants to help. He wants to help uh he wants to help people. You know, there's that the scene where the kids are drowning and in the bus and he pulls the bus out of the water. And um you know, there's there people are scared of him. There's the whole town, I think you know, they allude to the fact that Smallville kind of knows about Clark's problems, but they don't, uh, they don't tell anybody because, you know, small town ship is, secrets are not exposed to real, I don't even know what I'm trying to say, but you know what I mean, like, it's the small town secrets nobody else needs to know, and it's just, a, I think it's a great way of showing it where Pa Kent comes up to him and he's like, hey, we talked about this, you got to keep, you know, you got to keep your self-controlled he's and he's like what was i supposed to do just just let him die and some people say this is a bad thing but pa kent says maybe and you know what i it shows how human pa kent is like he does he's not saying he should have he's saying like maybe he doesn't know the answer he doesn't have all the answers you know he's you know it'd be nice if he did you know he is the father figure he is the dad it'd be nice if he had all the answers but he doesn't know he's dealing with a child from space who's got the powers of a God and he doesn't have the answer for it. And he's just basically telling him like, you have to choose, you know, to pick your battles here or there and whether or not you want to expose yourself because he's looking at it through the eyes of he's still a kid and he's still a kid to him. And he wants to protect his son at all costs. Cause he, in his mind, he knows the government would probably try to use him to exploit him and use his power to, benefit the government the american government like they do in batman v superman not batman v superman uh the dark knight returns or he's just mm -hmm. like a boy scout for the president your favorite version i'm just kidding mm -hmm. uh <laughs> but uh it's just uh, that's what i like about man of steel is that 1978 is great film it's great it's it tells the story of superman from the comics perfectly but man of steel excuse me it takes the risk of, okay, what would it be like in modern society? What would the actual reactions be like? And that's what I enjoy about it is I don't feel like it's like super grounded like the Batman in 2022 uh, where it's like that deep grounded, but it's just tells a modern take of what this super like being would be like in the modern day. And that's why I really love the movie personally. And that's part of my problem with Man of Steel really is that it it brings Superman down to our level instead of 
letting us aspire to his level. It brings Superman into a more, dare I say, relatable kind of sphere where he's this, he's treated more like an outsider because he is one. He's got more inner turmoil, conflicts, doubts. Whereas Christopher Reeves' Superman in 1978, he's always been pretty sure of himself. And one of my favorite scenes is when he's describing his worldview to Lois um, during that interview. And they're, they're having this cute, flirtatious banter back and forth. And she she asks him, okay, so, well, what are you what are you doing here? Like, what's your objective? And he says, fully straight faced. Well, I fight for truth and justice in the American way. (laughs) And she cynically scoffs at him and says, well, you'll be fighting every elected official in this country then. And then he looks at her dead in the eye and says, Lois, I never lie. So this is, yes, this is the boy scout. Superman, you can make fun of this guy, sure. And she she does. You know, she calls Clark Kent Smallville. And he's kind of the this goofy dork from a small town who still talks like like, like golly gee. <laughs> and he's he's that kind of guy who who Lois even makes fun of for being sort of a traditional American farm boy, uh, out of his depth in the big city. But he's he, he's still more genuine. He'll say, he's the kind of guy who says, yeah, I'll fight for truth, justice in the American way, and I never lie. And it turns this cynical woman like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, I, I should be mocking you for this, but you say it with such conviction that it, it actually makes me feel bad for being cynical. Like, you actually mean what you're saying, and you follow through. He's just so good a person. It makes everyone around him want to be a better person. Whereas Henry Cavill's Superman is more on human level. And that's why nobody really trusts him. Because not not to say that Christopher Reeve's Superman isn't human as well. He just represents the best of humanity. Whereas Henry Cavill's Superman doesn't have the self-confidence enough to seem trustworthy people are more just suspicious of him which yeah maybe that's more quote-unquote realistic but it's it's just the portrayal of the character is once again it's good as a as a reimagining okay but i prefer that self-confident superman who stands for the corny classic ideals with a hundred percent sincerity than the Superman who doesn't really stand for anything and just kind of falls into the job by accident. Hmm. Interesting. Isn't that the same interview where he just basically tells the world all of his weaknesses? Oh, that comes to bite him in the ass later though. That's just, that's foreshadowing. (laughs) Oh, it's just foreshadowing. (laughs) Well, nobody ever said it. Well, that's the problem with being such an earnest, sincere guy is that he never really thought, oh, people are going to take advantage of this. Right. He never really, he never even fathomed to think that far ahead. Oh, people are going to turn this against me somehow. 
Mm, and that's why that's Lex true. is the brilliant bad guy. Oh, wow. The he's man he's on the planet. He's being no lead and he can't see through lead and kryptonite makes him weak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think uh, the thing with like Man of Steel and Henry Cavill's portrayal of it is like, it's not that he, it, to me, it doesn't feel like it's just a job he like falls into and it's the job he never wanted. Like he clearly wants to help, but you can tell even in that first fight in Smallville when he's he's coming out of the bank after the fight and you see the soldiers just looking at him kind of in awe. You can see through, like, Henry Cavill. He's brilliant. Henry Cavill's face that he's sort of has... It's weird because he's got the powers of a god, but he's still kind of fearful of what these humans can do to him, like, a mm-hmm. little bit. And he's just, like, he's always had this fear of judgment growing up in his life. And I feel like that's such a brilliant modern take of like of the character. I mean, I like, yes, I love the classic Superman, like the classic, you know, truth and justice in the American way, but it's just too, it's too happy. <laughs> Not to say that's a bad thing, but it just, when you can take an older project and just make it modernize it like a tiny bit with stuff like that, it's little moments in Man of Steel like that, that just make it feel kind of excellent in my eyes where, you know, there's just the little human moments that make, you know, super Superman is not human. He's kryptonite, but there is a little bit of humanity in him. And I think man of steel perfectly shows that where it just, for me, like in man of steel, like Clark has like a full on character development from, you know, being a kid and being an outcast to fully kind of embracing who he is. And then in, like, the Christopher Reeve movie, he just always is, like, the good person. Like, he just always is that guy. And to me, like, that's not what the movie was going for. But just to see that character arc for Superman, for me, works better, in my opinion. I've heard it said that there's multiple ways of writing characters. And this thing I saw a long time ago name drop Superman and other characters like Marty McFly as an example of this specific type of writing. But they say that traditionally, characters are given an arc. They start in one place, things happen to change their mind and their worldviews, and they end their story here. Characters like Superman and Marty McFly, they don't change. They're not meant to change. They're not necessarily perfect human beings by any stretch but the point of their story is how they change other people when you look at someone like marty mcfly he doesn't change but his parents do he he influences his dad very specifically clark kent doesn't (laughs) uh he starts off with the correct ideals in the world he starts off as a good person who just wants to use his powers to help other people. And through that, he, he saves everybody he can. Um, he, he protects lives. He inspires people to be their best selves. Like I said, with Lois specifically, he even turns this cynical reporter into somebody who can believe in humanity a little bit better. 
Um, and he, he just, he spreads love out into the world and, and hope. And he doesn't really need to change. But he still does. Because his father, Jor-El, he, he said, well, don't interfere in, in the affairs of humankind. And because he got attached to humans so much, he goes out of his way to interfere. He turns back time. He becomes their protector. That's, and it was his choice. Nobody strong-armed him into it. He didn't have to, like, Luther's plan was far off uh, when he chose to be Superman. He did it because he wanted to do it. Because it was right. And, but the thing is, the... Uh, See, it's funny because now I'm thinking about it again. Jonathan Kent in Superman the movie also did put limits on Clark, but it came across differently. Because in Man of Steel, it was, well, should you save them? It was more about, well, what are we actually going to do with your powers? Uh, because you could be very dangerous with them if you don't learn to control them. And like it was about more the control and the suppression because he might be a danger. Whereas in Superman, the movie, it was more, he wanted to join the football team, but Jonathan Kent was like, no, no, because you're going to steamroll those kids. And that's not fair. Just because you can, doesn't mean you should. It's, it's okay to hold yourself back. Like it doesn't make them better than you. It doesn't, like, you may feel bad doing it now, but it builds character to hold yourself back. So the, the tones are so completely different in what they're trying to achieve. But it just, it makes an all-around better human being. And to me, that's what the Superman tone is all about. It's about, um, it's about this guy who's just a good human being making other people better, as opposed to him learning, him kind of deciding to be this symbol. Like Superman as a character, what sets him apart from other heroes is that he is so good to begin with. That's what makes him special, is that he doesn't have to go through that hero's journey because he just was that guy all along. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I hear you. Yeah, some of the Jonathan Kent stuff in Man of Steel, I will agree, is like far lesser than in 1978, especially with like the whole death scene and the the heart attack is, is so powerful. Yeah, the heart attack is ten times better than a fucking tornado. It, it just it doesn't make sense. Where yeah, it's like no, it's like no, you you stay Clark because even though like I'm slower and older, I will still go save this one. Uh, couple and a dog but like you could have done it anyway for but i choose to just stay in a tornado it just, it just doesn't make sense but the heart attack like yeah that makes sense like because he's got all the powers like of a god but he can't he can't like heal a heart attack you know yeah can't prevent that i mean he could go back in time like at the end of the movie and just like tell his dad hey but like you know eat healthier uh <laughs> <laughs> but that was another part of the point right it's like well like holding yourself back builds you care builds your character but also there's things you physically cannot prevent so like just in that scene in in smallville with his dad it was only like one scene that he was talking to his dad but in that one scene we get 
holding yourself back builds character and there's some things you can't change no matter how hard you try and just just in that one scene we're like and this is why clark would never become a tyrannical god these are the values he's grown up with his entire life it wasn't just hold back as opposed to henry cavill superman who grew up with similar values, but more under the duress of, yeah, because you could be a tyrant. That was never the point. Like, the Kents in Superman the movie never treated him like an alien. They just treated him like a, a teenager with going through some emotional problems that needed just a, a grounding. They're They're fostering this kid's potential and not letting his ego grow. It's not about him being powerful it's just about him as a human being they never treated him like an alien once i don't think they treat him like an alien and and like man of steel maybe the dad more so like treat him as like he's got a higher purpose it's but like the mom still treat him as like his yeah as a son yeah because he is he's shooting lasers out of his eyes you know yeah. his, that would freak out any small town dad with a farm it's crazy just wants to, yeah. you know, wants his son to have a simple life. Like, why, why, why all families should. Um, yeah. Should we move on? <laughs> we sure. keep talking about the ideas of these, the ideals, but we haven't talked about, like, the technical parts of these movies at all. Sure, we could talk about that a lot. And it's so tough because you're putting probably up, like, if, if we're talking in terms of, like, music, you're probably putting two, like, number one and number two in terms of, like, the best composers in the business. And yeah, just like look, what the problem here's what I'll say is the John Williams theme, I think is more iconic. It's more triumphant. It's Superman. As you imagine, Superman, the, the granddaddy of all superheroes, epic rousing. It's, it, it's the march for hope and the, the, like the, the, the horns in there literally scream Superman in there. You can hear it. Um, it's just an incredible, an incredible score, uh, title theme specifically. The Hans Zimmer score, however, as a fan of the Superman character, there is more to the Superman character. There is an underlying sadness um, a level of loneliness that, yes, I do consider myself mostly human, but I'm from a culture that's, I'm the last of a dead culture that I never really got to know. And I do feel isolated, even though I'm surrounded by people who love me. And Man of Steel's theme by Hans Zimmer reflects more that it's contemplative so melancholy side. Hans Zimmer's never turned in a bad musical thing ever he's so good it's crazy yeah. i just i love that i love that theme so much it's so good that they put it in the first trailer like the teaser trailer for man of steel and i've talked about before on this podcast how hyped i was after watching that first trailer it's a great trailer it's it's, it's so good I, lo I love the music i love the music so much but you're going up against john williams at the same time so it's just like how do you how do you put like how do you put Jesus against Jesus? You know what I mean? It's the like, problem is they're going for 
They're, they're hard two to different compare tones. because, yeah, they're going for two different things. The one is, like I said, it's going for Superman. It's going for Superman the hero and Man of Steel's is going for Clark the man. Mm-hmm. They, they kind of work next to each other for very different reasons. So I, in terms of score, I'm not going to say either is better, but I lean more towards John Williams most times just for, yeah, just for that. Yeah. It's more fist pumping and scream Superman at me. And I'm a if fan of marches. Get- I just like playing marches as a, as mm-hmm. a musician. Marches are kind of my thing. Yeah. But if you ever want to go on like a run and you need to get hyped, just put on some like of that Hans Zimmer theme and you're good to go. <laughs> it's got a great buildup. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, I like the fights better in Man of Steel. There, I'll say it. Even though there's like not really that many fights. Okay, I won't say fights. I'll say action because it's not really fights in the first Superman movie. That's more I like Superman Part Two. Yeah. It's just like it's just it's just nice to see Superman like fully being um, perceived on film, like what it would actually be like if Superman could punch someone. Like that, it's just nice to see that, like fully embrace it. I mean, like yeah, the late seventies and early eighties, those fight scenes are pretty damn good for what they were able to do. But just to see like the punches thrown at each. Uh, at the other Kryptonians and at Zod, and you see like the like air wave around each punch that just tells you how powerful they are. It's crazy. The sound design is great. How fast paced everything is. How chaotic it all is. You know, throwing each other into buildings and all that stuff. Just the absolute destruction that these two that the Kryptonians have against each other. Just to show, it's nice to see Superman be able to punch something. That's what I'm saying. Whereas in 78 doesn't really punch anything except a tectonic plate here or there. And uh, other than that, it's pretty, pretty decent, awesome, fun action. But it's just nice to see like a physical altercation for Superman. Yeah, that's but this is that's another reason I like Superman 78, especially after over 15 years of superhero movies coming out now. It feels pretty refreshing to me that Superman 78's a two-hour-plus movie, and he never really... It's still interesting, and then he never really gets into a fistfight with anyone as equal. It never... You don't need it in that movie. The last, Like, that's the last hour of Man of Steel. The plot basically stops there, and he's just fighting Zod. And it's cool, but bad guy goes through building isn't... Like, that's the extent of the plot for... The last hour, mostly. Uh, uh, bad guy goes through IHOP. Get it right. Bad okay. guy goes through IHOP. <laughs> bad guy levels Metropolis <laughs> through buildings. Uh, yes, the Man of Steel effects are incredible. Uh, you really feel the weight of every punch. Um, I love the flight effects, too. Just the sonic booms every time they take yeah, off. Yeah, I love the sonic boom. It's so good. Really quick camera work as well. It's Incredible choreography, just the way they use their powers, you feel the power behind it, it's great. But I also like that Superman, who's this champion for peace, doesn't really have to throw a punch in the 
in the thing. One of my favorite scenes is that montage of him just doing superhero stuff where he meets these, uh, he meets like these pirates on a boat and they whack him with a crowbar and the, they're just vibrating bad vibrations. <laughs> and that's it. He just, they didn't need a fight. Uh, or like you said at the end when he's like the action in Superman, the movie is he's got to like repair, repair a crumbling dam, use his body as a, as a rail for a train passing by, fix the earth's tectonic plates by going inside it, turn back time, lift cars and people. And just, he shows off his strength in other ways that, or one of my favorite scenes in superhero movies is the helicopter scene. It is very simple. The helicopter starts crashing and Lois falls from it. And this is public introduction to the world. He, he grabs that. That's the whole scene. There's a bit of suspense. Oh, the helicopter's crashing and Lois is falling. And oh, cool. He caught the girl. Oh, and he caught the helicopter. Don't worry, miss. I've got you. You got me. Who's got you? <laughs> and then he gets up to the top with a little life lesson. Well, I hope this little incident hasn't put you off flying. Statistically speaking, it's still the safest way to travel. You didn't need you didn't need that yeah. much. It's it's an iconic scene with some with some good life lessons in there. You see Superman being more inventive with his powers. Like like I said, there was that moment when he's using his body as the as the train rail. Like you see him use his super strength and heat vision and freezing breath and super speed. Or like when he's catching up to the missile to try to redirect it back into space. Like you see, in Man of Steel, the action is basically all relegated to him punching things. But in Superman the movie, he basically doesn't punch anything. But you see most of the range of his powers used in way more creative ways. He does a lot more with them in that movie. That's fair. But it's also like that's Superman knowing all of his like prowess and this is like Man of Steel still discovering everything he can do. That's why yeah. in you don't see him do a lot of laser eyes until like Batman v Superman or uh, Justice League. The freeze breath as well. Um, he does like the I think he does the clap thing at some point. I can't remember. I don't think he does that. I can't remember. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's just like like the building block of it, and yeah, it's it's fun where. It, like in, in Superman where um, 1978, <clears throat> which is like he also has to use his intellect to, and as well as his brawn to, to sort of solve the problems. But it's just like in, in Man of Steel, it's like, okay, he's been told his entire life, don't use your powers. Like you, you have to hide amongst the sheep. He, no one says that, but that's just mm -hmm. what I'm saying. You got to, you know, you got to hold it in. You got to hold back or else you're going to be, you're, you're going to be an outcast or you're going to cause harm. And he's going up against an enemy who never holds back. They are destructive. They are murderous. They're in absolute insanity. And so slowly throughout the whole movie, he is slowly coming out of his shell and being like, okay, hey, I can't hold back. I have to fight fire with fire in a sense and it actually fucks him up mentally near the end because i'll just go straight to the ending where he has to kill zod anybody who has a problem with him killing zod in this movie he fucking kills zod in superman part two 
So I don't know why people are upset about that. Anyway, it's hypocritical. But yeah. it's very hypocritical. But in Man of Steel, he's begging Zod to not do it because he thinks he can talk to him man to man. But he still he still has that you know that that, that small town you know uh, thought and thinking like maybe we can talk this out. They can't talk it out because Zod's fucking insane. Which, first of all, Michael Shan's portrayal of General Zod, I think, is phenomenal of being like the crazy uh, Kryptonian. Uh, I think he's brilliant. Um, <clears throat> and so just throughout that scene where Zod is like lasering uh, or about to laser that family that's just absolutely helpless, Superman has to decide right then and there, does he kill Zod, which effectively kills the only other Kryptonian that he knows exists, effectively making him the last uh, Kryptonian of his species? Or does he, you know, let Zod go through with it and, you know, join forces with him? And he has, and he chooses humanity. He chooses, he chooses Earth over Krypton. And that's such a tough choice for, for him because that's where he's from. He's from Krypton. And as much as this movie has tried to tell him that he is an outcast, he doesn't belong here. He still wants to be human. He wants to be part of this world. He wants to save everybody. He wants to make sure, like, he doesn't want innocent people to die for him. And so he, he kills the only other quote-unquote family that he ever had, and it crushes him. And Superman sad is fine. <laughs> That's my end point. Yeah. Well... You brought up a good point there that makes it a little harder for me to counter the way I was going to counter, but I'm, I'll try it anyway. So what I was going to say is that the fight in Man of Steel lacks some stakes because he doesn't really care about what's going on. He doesn't live in Metropolis yet. The only one he really knows is Lois. So when he's wrecking everything around Metropolis. Like, yes, yes, he's obviously trying to save the world. Okay. But when he's wrecking Metropolis, he's got no stake there yet. Whereas the the tragedy of Superman 78 is that the whole final act, Lex Luthor's plans going into fruition, and it and it seems like it's, yeah, it's easy enough. Superman's flying around. He's fixing all the problems that it's causing, but we're also juxtaposing that with Lois getting buried alive in her car. He's saving all these people, but the one woman he cares about is dying because he's looking after the greater good. And it's it's so much more focused and tragic because of that. Like, he's actually actively saving people. He's doing a lot of good, so we can both say, oh, this guy's this guy is such a good guy. He's doing so much good. But he's being so selfless right now, and it's going to be so heartbreaking when he finds Lois dead because he was putting the needs of the many above his own because that's just what he does. And then he does find Lois dead. And yes, it's a moment of selfishness for him this whole time. He's like, well, don't interfere too strongly. Don't really do anything for yourself. He's been saving people this entire movie so in the end he says well okay fine i'm gonna i'm gonna save lois for me because she's i'm saving all these people but she's the only one i really cared about whereas in man of steel 
it's more abstract. Like killing Zod, you're right that he kills the heritage of Krypton that he always kind of wanted to know. It makes him feel more isolated. But it was also... It was also more of a what if. Like, he did love Lois in Superman 78. And he did watch her die. Whereas in Superman 78, it was more... In Man of Steel, it's more, okay. Well, that's that's sad. But you already thought you were the last of your kind. And this was just kind of a brief... Oh, well, what if? Oh, and then they were evil. And he never really cared about anyone he was fighting for. Like, he wasn't fighting for anything other than just pure survival was, was the difference. The stakes were more personal in 78. No, oh, you're muted. There we go. Sorry. I did something on my computer that brought up a weird screen. <laughs> oh. um, I, I don't know. I like. I disagree because I feel like he's clearly, I think he was just for the whole time he was fighting for the family that never wanted him. He was fighting for humanity. He was fighting to keep them safe because he knows nobody else can fight like for them. And like to sort of steal a line from, what is it? Assassin's Creed 3? It's like, what, yeah, Assassin's Creed is like, why do you choose to fight? And uh, the main character, Connor, says, because no one else will. Like, that's that's the whole thing with Superman in The Man of Steel. Whereas, yeah, it's pretty sad when Superman goes and, you know, saves all these other people, but then Lewis dies. Oh, tragic. Two minutes later, he turns back time and she's alive again. So where's the stakes now in the Christopher yeah. Reeve universe? Where, where, where are the stakes Whereas, like, oh, if someone dies, you can just go back in time and fix it. And then time works differently in the, excuse me, time works differently in the Crystal Reeve universe, where it's, if he turns back time, he's only choosing to turn back time in that one focused area. Because if he turned back time, is there another Superman somewhere else? It doesn't need to explain. I'm going way too into it. But just where, where are the stakes now if anybody dies? You know, Jimmy is still walking around. He's still he's still walking around with the, being left alone in the in the desert. But hey, let's just bring back Lewis because she gave a somewhat no, she gave a great interview to me, and now I'm in love with her. But in Man of Steel, the stake is okay. He kills Zod, and then that's it. And that's let's it. Make he's the last of in the rubble of Metropolis. <laughs> <laughs> Who won? Because we won. <laughs> But yeah, he yeah. he kills Zod. That just makes the happy. It it is technically a happy ending, but it just makes it feel so much more weird in context because there was so much loss in Man of Steel that any happiness at the end just felt like, oh, well, I snapped the bad guy's neck and saved the day. To paraphrase Ryan George, um, and leveled Metropolis, but oh, I got Lois back. Like, it, it's the exact opposite. It's like, yeah, you got the one thing you wanted in the end. You're, like, you're together with Lois, but the collateral damage was like, was it really worth the cost? Like, should we be celebrating right now? Whereas in Superman 78, he spent the entire time trying to mitigate collateral damage, and the consequence was he killed the one person he wanted to be with Here's the thing, in Man of Steel, I understand a lot of the damage is because of Superman, but he didn't fucking start it. 
He didn't turn on that terraform machine and you see those bodies go up and down. That's what people were like really pissed off about seeing people die in a Superman movie. He can't save everybody. He can't do it, especially when they just turn on a terraform machine. He has to be the he's the only one who could have gotten to the other side of the world. I think it was India to take out the other side of the of the war machine. And then the it's just I think it's also great with it's like it's not just Superman. It's also it's kind of war propaganda at the same time. It's also the American <laughs> the American government fighting to take on the <clears throat> to take to take on the aliens as well. So it's not just Superman doing all by himself. It's also him working with the government and really I, John Jones. That's I'm gonna that's counter man on it, right? <laughs> John Jones, yeah. I'm gonna counterpoint you with a different piece of media altogether. Okay. All right. See, the thing is, the problem with Man of Steel is in that it was people were dying, and it and and he was quote unquote causing it. It was that he didn't really try to help anybody specific if things if he at least saw people in danger and was still trying to save lives instead of just fight the bad guy then it would be okay sure he's still a rookie and zod is overpowering him but he was still trying to save people and what i'll bring up is kind of spoilers but the i'm not going to get too far into it the finale of invincible season one that is what I wanted to see in Man of Steel. Yes, Marcus fighting a foe. That is very physically challenging. That through their battle, it causes a lot of destruction and a lot of deaths. But Mark still tries to help the people that they come across. He tries to get civilians out of the line of fire. He fails miserably, but he tries. And that was basically the exact same thing. A rookie hero fighting a foe of way greater experience. And that that basically did the Man of Steel fight a lot better than Man of Steel did. It took the idea. So I know it could have been done in a way that was more satisfying. He, he caught that one pilot yeah. in Smallville. Is that not enough? Oh, I thought you meant the scene in Invincible again with the pilot. No, they both did. <laughs> they they yeah. both caught. They both caught one pilot. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Listen, I get it. Like, yes, he should have tried to save a bit more, but like, he's he's a bit busy. <laughs> he's got like he's got four Kryptonians going at him, and it's it's absolutely insane. I also love just little thing too. I love the um, sort of the rivalry between the the like the the American military man and uh Fiora in Man of Steel. Oh, uh, they kind of have like a little bit of a rivalry. And some <laughs> I I I think I was watching a clip and then someone commented it was really funny. It was like does no one else sense a small sense of sexual tension? <laughs> <laughs> someone commented that and it was like, eh, you know, could be. But yeah, I just think just like small stuff like that is what make it just expands the universe for Man of Steel and some say it was a bad starting point for a cinematic universe. I think it was fine because they do set up building blocks in terms of the world of, you know, Superman. And then Batman v Superman just, it just, you know, <laughs> came crashing down. But okay, that, well, speaking of the building blocks for a universe, I think Superman 78 also sets up 
the Superman world better. We have characters like Lois, Perry White, Jimmy, Lex Luthor. They're all pretty major characters. And like even like Martha Kent was in it a bit. Jor-El as well. Like Super- Man of Steel kind of uses those characters a little bit. But like the Daily Planet crew, like Jimmy and Perry, they're like they're they're barely in it. Is is a big problem. It doesn't use Superman's supporting cast very well. I mean, mind you, like Michael yeah. Shannon Zod's really good, and so was uh, Martha and and Lois. But like they didn't use as many of them as they could have. In my defense. Jimmy Olsen has done dirty in Batman v Superman, and I'm only defending Man of Steel. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. I'm not bringing up What did that. Snyder say? He said something like, I didn't know what to do with Jimmy Olsen. It's like, well, don't do that. <laughs> like, don't put a bullet in his head, Brian. Don't put a bullet in his head. <laughs> <laughs> he did the so same true. thing with Robin. <laughs> I don't it's, know what to it's do It's like... What's the comparison? It's, it's like, oh, I don't know. It's like if he made the last airbender, it's like, oh, I didn't know what to do with Appa. So I just well, I made him do it. I put a bullet in his head. <laughs> what, Ain can fly? He doesn't need a giant bison. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, uh, let's see. Well, let's talk about Lois and Superman a little bit. I think uh, Superman 78's got a better love story. Yeah, Man I think, of Steel's a bit more of just sexual tension. <laughs> there's sexual it. tension. I, I like that Lois figured out his identity. Amy Adams is great. A, yeah, Amy Adams is great. It showed she was a, a good journalist. She could follow she could follow some clues back to their source. That was pretty cool. But I think Margot Kidder and Christopher Reeve have way more chemistry. Like, I forget that I'm watching a superhero movie oh, when I'm watching 100%. those two, and they're just... Like, this is just... Superman the movie is a romance movie. It really is. Yeah, Marco Kidder, that's tough. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> Just on good conscience, I can't like <laughs> Yeah. Be like, oh no, she's worse, but she's not. Um I do think the chemistry between Amy Adams and Harry Cavill is pretty good. And it's good. It's good. Yeah. But it's just, yeah, it's just like it's they don't get a lot to do to get like they don't they don't no. get anything close to like to that balcony interview scene. Or just their yeah. banter in the Daily Planet news office. I saw a review. Oh, yeah. It was a Nostalgia Critic review. It was like they showed a clip and he did the review with Angry Joe. Not you. A different Joe. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> and they showed the clip of like her saying after they kiss, like, you know, it's all downhill. They say it's all downhill after the first kiss. And it cuts to both of them. And in Houston, they go, who the hell says that? <laughs> <laughs> like, who said that before? <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I love Nostalgia Critic. But yeah, I should... Uh, I don't know what I was going to say. <laughs> I wanted to jump back a second and talk about... You were talking about how Henry Cavill's Superman is more uh, of a rookie uh, who's got to build up his confidence. I did like that there was a steady stream of building up his confidence, but I also think it made the Christopher Reeve one more interesting that he was more confident with his powers because... Like, like Henry Cavill being a rookie, when he fought Zod, he was overwhelmed, but he could still handle himself. He didn't get 
put into a corner until Zod started trying to kill the family. And he's like, okay, well, now I got to make a choice here. And that was interesting. But in uh, in Superman 78, he goes in super confident, busts the door down the Lex's lair. All the machine guns and turrets and, and flamethrowers are on him. And he's just walking through it. Uh, and that's fine. And then as soon as he sees Kryptonite for the first time, he's he's useless. And he has no idea what to do with it. Like He, he kind of recoils in fear and then gets kicked into the pool. And, that, and then he gets and assaulted me, by Money Penny. <laughs> yeah, and that and that to me was so is a powerful scene because because you have seen him so confident and competent with his powers the entire time, and then as soon as this glowing green rock gets put in his face, Lex just has to put it on necklace on him and kick him into a pool, and he'll drown to death. It's like, oh wow, that you you rendered him useless real fast. That's. That's yeah, Reeves crazy. does a good job of showing just the shock and horror that he feels. Because like, it was like one of the first times, like, he ever how felt do you... Weak. All right, let's let's be in my brain. Yeah. Let's go back to 1978 and you tell an actor, hey, here's this green rock. I need you to portray like it's making you weak. Oh, like physically? Yeah, but also like mentally. Like, oh, out like... Do I like, how do I do that? I don't know. Figure it out. Like, it is, you know what I mean? And then Christopher yeah. Reeves just does it like perfectly. Yes. Just, yeah, absolutely insane. And there's like kind of a little bit of that in Man of Steel when he goes on the Kryptonian ship and it's like the oxygen, but he's like coughing up blood and everything. So you don't even have to like process that it's hurting him. Cause you're like, oh yeah, he's coughing up blood. It's, it's yeah. physically hurt. <laughs> Let's talk about the uh, the man, the myth, the legend, Christopher Reeve a bit. If we're comparing the two leads, I think he's far and away the better Superman. And I, I love yeah. me, Henry Cavill. But if we're talking performances here, Reeve gives such a great performance. He gives a triple performance nearly. He's got, uh, he's got Superman, the hero. He's got Clark Kent, the goofy newsboy. And then he's got the blend between the two, which I don't know if we really see that a whole lot. I don't remember if we see that a bunch in Superman one, definitely get the blend in Superman two, where he, he starts melding the personalities, but in Superman one, at the very least, we have two distinct personalities. And one of my favorite shots in the movie is when he's on his date with Lois and he comes into her apartment and he's got his glasses and he's, and he's hunched over and then Lois leaves the room for a second. He debates showing his identity to her. He takes off the glasses, straightens up, his posture changes, his facial demeanor changes, and he becomes a different person right before my eyes. And then Lois comes back into the room, and then he slinks down, throws his glasses back on, changes character completely again. No prosthetics or makeup or CGI required, just, just this just this incredible actor doing a great performance makes me believe Clark Kent and Superman are two different people more than anything I've ever seen. And then the only time we ever really see like Henry Cavill's Clark Kent and Superman are effectively the same person. He's not playing a character at all. He's just 
even at the end when he shows up as Clark in the newsroom, he's just wearing glasses. Like that to me is the joke people always think of. Oh, how can you tell these guys uh, aren't the same guy? When I look at Cavill Superman, I see that. Yeah, this is just Superman with glasses. When I look at Christopher Reeve play it, yeah, Clark and Superman are completely different people. Even to the eye, they just, they come across different. They're like their entire energies are different. It's so true. But yeah, I feel like that's just because like Cavill's version is not really given that much room to like try to be different as Clark Kent or that wasn't like the direction they were going for. And that's really like what that's the. I blame the material, not the actor. Yeah, I I don't. It's not that Henry can't do it, but. He, yeah. he didn't in that movie. And it also, like, that was all Christopher Reeve, too, right? That wasn't, like, a writing thing. That was just him. Like, he's hunching over. He's being, a like, a bumbling fool the whole time. It's just, like, it's brilliant how he does it. I mean, he just embodies not just Superman, but Clark Kent as a whole. And yes. I think later on in sequels, I've heard when they do go back to Smallville, he, like, drops the, like, Clark Kent persona and just fully becomes him because that's, like... Like I said, the sequels do start blending the personalities yeah. more. Superman, the public figure, and Clark Kent, the farm mm-hmm. boy dork. They Like when he's just being Clark Kent, just who he is. Like mostly in the Fortress of Solitude. Whenever he goes there, that's who he is. That's who he really is. He's not trying to be the inspirational hero. He's not trying to be the bumbling journalist. He's just himself in all of his facets and that's what the fortress of solitude scenes really give him is just the ability to be his complete self and that's why yeah which right now i don't i'm not i don't think he was really in the fortress much in the first movie he there was that great scene when he threw the crystal into the ocean into the arctic and then see watching that for the first time i thought i was like did his dad just give him kryptonite and then later on it's completely (laughs) it's completely different yeah that's a cool uh cool choice for uh like just he throws in it just creates a base that was interesting yeah let me talk about influence too that reminds me i don't think man of steel really impacted the superman mythos that much really um I mean, it kind of popularized the underwear not being on the outside look. But that had already kind of been a thing in comics, I think, before then. But Superman 78 changed the franchise irreparable. Well, like, I don't want to okay, irreparably is not the right word. It's just, it changed the lore completely. The Fortress of Solitude used to be basically a, a mountain cave. And ever since that movie... Anything Kryptonian is very crystalline-based in the comic books. It's just got that look. The The floating head of Jor-El as well became instantly iconic. That was incorporated back in as well. Uh, just the... I think the, the news ball of the Daily Planet, that was already a thing, but they, they threw that into the movie as well uh, in the opening scene. Uh, Metropolis is basically New York, but, uh, just in terms of the Fortress of Solitude and, and Krypton in that first scene specifically, like the way they dress, the way that, uh, the S is the House of L. I don't think that had been a thing 
before either. The S used to just stand for Superman, but making it the crest of his family house, I'm pretty sure came from that movie too. They also introduced the, the Phantom Zone, <laughs> uh, which once again, maybe I think was in the comics, but they like they got into the lore a lot more in Superman 78 and actually created stuff that seeped back into the lore and and changed it. So it was a lot more influential on the Superman brand as a whole than Man of Steel was. Trying to think. Trying to think. It's been a while since I watched Man of Steel. Not really. It's been a year. Um, I'm stretching myself a little too. Yeah. I mean, the costume's pretty sick. <laughs> There's the impact. <laughs> yeah, I like how they have like Kryptonian. It looks more alien. Yeah. The S, I remember the S grew on me because I remember first seeing him like, it's a little fat, but it looks more like an actual symbol than just a straight up S. And I kind of like that. Yeah, I don't like how dark it is, though. I like... It is later, pretty muted. I like the suit he wears in... Um, Black Adam? Actually, all, all the all the Cavill ones are pretty dark, <laughs> really. Yeah. Um, What about the one in I mean, Snyder I, Cut? Haha, <laughs> it was in black and white. There's the joke. I, I hesitate to say <laughs> I like the one in Justice League the best, but it looked... I, I like that color palette. You know the saturation Indica. levels like on a hundred, right? In that movie. <laughs> well, they also they also were digitally correcting on the black suit. It wasn't an actual suit, but I like the Superman seventy eight suit just because it's is the kind of suit I I'd be ever shocked to see them ever try again. It's the simple. He's just a man in tights. He's he's got the. The, the blue tights and the red underwear on the outside. It's classic Superman in every way. The color scheme is a little bit wrong. The, the color is a little off. I've heard just because they were mostly using blue screen and the color, the proper color wouldn't have worked, so they had to brighten it up a bit. That makes sense. It's a minor gripe, but I like the look of the costume, and Christopher Reeve wears it really well. He didn't have to bulk up to... 300 pounds like Henry Cavill, he still looks strong in the suit. It doesn't look as padded and fake. It's just a guy who went to the gym, bulked up pretty good. And he just, I mean, for the time, to be fair, Christopher Reeve like bulked up for the time as well. Oh, 100%. Bulked up a little bit. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. Everyone's reaction when Henry Cavill like comes out of the water shirtless and like steals that shirt, everyone's reaction was, Jesus Christ. <laughs> He's well, just yeah, I, like that I, ripped. I, I know. <laughs> yeah. But all those suits nowadays, they all use padding and look like, even though the actors are ripped, they all still. Yeah. They, they have make a the little suit, bit of padding. They make the suits tailored to look like the ideal physique. Whereas the Superman 78 one just look good on Reeve. They didn't mm. need to. They didn't need to chisel it to put abs on the suit or anything. That's true. It was just. And I like it. I also like his physique too, because Superman, as I was saying earlier, is at his best when he feels more. I like that he, he feels human and approachable 
but he's also inspirational. He's just like the best of humanity. And when I look at Cavill, I see the body of a god. He's not a normal guy. He doesn't look like a normal guy. Christopher Reeve looks like an a like a guy of above average health. He has a really friendly demeanor. He looks like a guy you can talk to, a guy who is inspiring and hopeful and cheery and optimistic, and he's not intimidating by his presence either. He looks strong enough to take me in a fight, but not like unnaturally strong. But the fact that he is is more impressive. So I, I kind of right. like Superman, who's not a hulking physique. Mm. Who's dying? You hear that? <laughs> no. There's like a siren going on outside my house. Um, yeah, I heard saying, what's that? What's that one? Oh, no, I'm thinking of Captain America, where the where he's like ridiculously huge. Like from the side profile. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's it's hilarious. America. Yeah. I was picturing that. <laughs> I was picturing that version of like, <laughs> it's like, Jesus Christ. Just oh, the man. Hulk. Mm-hmm. And like, it was what hilarious because like what that artist was like, I did that on purpose. It's like, well, why? <laughs> why would you do that? <laughs> uh, the other thing I like about Superman 78 is the lower stakes. And once again, maybe this is just because I'm burnt out of modern superhero movies where everything has to be world-ending stakes. But I look back at Superman 78 and it's refreshing to me that the main bad guy's big plan is I'm going to take a couple missiles and crack some California fault lines so that the desert property I bought up will all be beachfront property and I'll sell for millions. That's his big plan. And that's all you needed. It didn't need to be world-ending stakes. It's just half of California goes into the ocean was the stakes. I hear you, but I don't think... Well, I was about to say Zod doesn't care about real estate, but technically the Earth is one big real estate. So he's, he's you think about it. Yeah, he's terraforming. So, yeah, I get it. Yeah, the low stakes is, you know, it's it's fun for Lex. Here's the here's the problem too, right? It's like two different character villains. There's Lex Luthor, and then there, there's this smart businessman who just wants to beat Superman in terms of intellect. And then there's Zod, who's just an absolute genocidal maniac. So it's yeah. tough to kind of like compare the two um, when talking about him. But yeah, the the stakes in I feel like the stakes in like '78. It's just like. Because I know it's from my prior knowledge of Superman. It's like, I'm going to shoot two missiles. It's like, okay, well, he's Superman. He can get to them pretty quickly. So that's like, that's where my brain went. But then it's in Man of Steel, you see like the absolute damage that that war machine's doing. And you're like, oh, fuck, I don't know if he's able to get out of this. Like, that's the stakes for me. Where I didn't feel like when watching 78, I wasn't, I would never thought Superman couldn't do it. But in Man of Steel, I was like, hmm, there might be a chance where he could not make it. Yeah. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. I just, once again, to me, it's just, I've seen so many superhero movies in my life and Superman 78 still stands apart from them all because it doesn't do what the other ones do. It's not an action movie, first and foremost. It's a 
It's a romance movie. It's a science fiction movie about what if an alien came to Earth and used his powers for the betterment of humanity. It's It's got great acting, great production values. It's an iconic performance by Christopher Reeve. It doesn't have to go world-ending stakes to be interesting. Most of it's just conversations about things. It's actually got a sense of humor. It's just a it's a fun movie to watch. It's more rewatchable, I think. It's it, its effects still mostly hold up for a movie from the 70s. I think it's more pioneering in digital effects too than Man of Steel. Man of Steel used effects well, but Superman was a groundbreaking movie for its time in flight effects. Let's just say Superman 78 flew so Man of Steel could go supersonic. You don't get you did there. You don't get Man of Steel without That was good. Yeah. You should pat yourself on the back. That was good. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. That's just... Now I'm just picking at straws here again. That's just yeah. because not a lot of movies came out technically marveling in the 70s. And, you know, you so got all the ones... The year before. Come, shut up. And then you got all the... <laughs> and then you got, all, you got one example. <laughs> You got Man of Steel, you know, you got years of, of action movies coming out and technical marvels and all that. And let's see you throw a U-Haul truck, Christopher Reeve, at another Kryptonian. He throws a billboard at Zod in the second one. I haven't seen part two. We're discussing part one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Next up is Superman 2 versus Batman v Superman. Can I argue Superman 2? <laughs> If you won. Here's my arguments of Superman 2. Superman 2 is actually in it. <laughs> Batman v Superman. Superman's in it for like 30 minutes. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's Superman 78 versus uh, Man of Steel. I think we've run dry on yeah. stuff to talk about. Uh, I thought it'd be a fun surprise on you, but I also want to make it fair to have it be yeah. like something that you knew pretty well, pretty well. I know that movie pretty well. Yeah. I mean, I talked I also have an another about it. With I that. have another question of the week, but that might be stepping on your toes there. No, go ahead. I, I don't have. Here's our question of the week, folks. Also, who do you think won the debate? It's probably Joe. That's fine. I'm used to losing. Um, who do you think portrayed their comic book character better here we go. Christopher Reeves' Superman or Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man? Mm. It's I'm a tough with, one. I'm going to go with Christopher Reeve. Mm. And I'll tell okay. you why. And, and I'm going to tell you why. Christopher Reeve, for me, ne- he didn't necessarily portray... Superman exactly as he was in the comics at the time. It was kind of an amalgamation of Superman. Um, but more, more comics of the time. 
I think. I think he did a really good job of portraying what people think of when they think Superman. Superman's been a lot more, you know, hardcore social justice warrior or more peaceful kind of person. And Christopher Reeve played Superman the way you think of Superman. Robert Downey Jr. Iron Man, I think, was more in, in the comics was more informed by Robert Downey Jr. than Robert Downey Jr. was of Iron Man from the comics. That, that's what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, I thought I'd get Christ- you with that one. But yeah. <laughs> Chris- Christopher Reeve played Superman. Every other iteration of Iron Man changed to be like Robert Downey Jr. after. Not to say he was doing a bad a, a bad take on Tony Stark by any stretch. He was perfect. Right. He's, he think- changed the way Tony Stark was portrayed in... All sorts of media. Exactly. Like Superman was Superman before Christopher Reeve. He still stayed Superman after Christopher Reeve. And people have that image of Superman in their mind. But it wasn't as influential on the character uh, and the character's portrayal from its source material. It was just, it was an adaptation. Robert Downey Jr., took the source material and changed it forever. Which, yeah, which is, it, it's weird to say that because it it sounds like I, I'm arguing on behalf of him. Like, oh, well, he must have been so good if he changed the source material. Like, no, 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 that's not, that's not what it is. The material had to change, therefore it wasn't as good an adaptation. It wouldn't have had the change. He was too good that the material had to change for Tony Stark to be an enjoyable read. He'd managed okay for 50 years before that. Yeah. All he did was become more quippy. That's fine. Who do you think was a worse portrayal? Jared Leto's Joker or Jesse Eisenberg's Lex Luthor? Jared Leto. Well, Mm. no, that's hard. Yeah, it's tough, eh? (laughs) Should I do a more positive one instead? <laughs> we, we, can, we can come back to uh, Let me think about this a second. Okay. I want to I seriously consider this. <laughs> Jared Leto or Jesse Eisenberg? Well, I mean, okay, my gut instinct was Jared Leto. I'm going to go with Jared Leto because I think Jesse Eisenberg, he's not the Lex Luthor I wanted to see on screen, but on paper, his convoluted plans and machinations, his insanity, his obsession with Superman was still Lex Luthor on paper. It was just his weird eccentricities that didn't feel very Lex Luthor to me. His social awkwardness and the way he delivered his, like, that didn't feel Lex Luthor, but a lot of his dialogue, his yeah. motivations... Felt Lex Luthor, whereas Jared Leto's Joker felt more. I, it felt more like the most bare bones version of Joker. It felt like psycho clown, and that was as far as it went. It didn't have any of the more philosophical elements of Joker that make him interesting. It didn't. He didn't seem particularly obsessed with Batman, or that chaotic he was just a psycho clown gangster who they called the joker which is like okay 
yeah, that that's the Joker in name, but he's less recognizable as Joker than Jesse Eisenberg is as Lex. I don't know. I kind of I like disagree on that last point because like if you look at a picture of yeah, Visually, like if you look at a picture of Jared Leto, he's like fine. Like I agree, he's more he's so bare bones that like he's not really in like a conversation to even be a Joker, but like. The choices Jesse Eisenberg made for Lex Luthor was just, like, too far. He, like, plays a crazy version of, like, the Riddler more so than Lex Luthor in terms of, like, his little, like, mm, ah, mm. like, it's just, like, the, it's the weirdest character choice where Snyder should have just been, like, can you stop? Like, you, like, do, like, a little bit of research. That's, like, the part in BVS that really pissed me off because Superman is supposed to have or Superman has this rival, Lex Luthor, who intellectually beats him on all fronts. But, like, his intellect doesn't make him fucking insane. Or, like, insane in the... He does insane shit in the comics, but he doesn't... He's not, like, vis physically, like, tweaking every five minutes. It's just, like, stuff like that that pissed me off. Yeah, fair enough. I think... Who's a better portrayal, Christopher Reeve's Superman or Chris Evans' Captain America? <laughs> Uh, my gut instinct is Christopher Chris Reeve. Reeve again. I'm uh, trying to, I'm trying to pick though, someone that could but, be Chris Reeve. But, but see that, that's the thing. I don't have as much evidence to back that one up. That's just, mm. it's just cause it's one of my favorite movies and I love Chris Evans, Captain America, but I just don't have as much nostalgia attached to it. It's not, that one's a lot tougher for me. Cause what I will say is I don't know a lot about Captain America, but I feel mm -hmm. like in the comics, he's he's either he's kind of on one side or the other to Chris Evans. I feel like he's either kind of a jerk sometimes, uh, more of a jerk than Chris Evans, Captain America, or he's too much of the square jawed. American eat your vegetables parody kind of kind of thing like he's the that's the Captain America I always feared going on at the big screen but Chris Evans made me believe in Captain America so it, you got detention <laughs> yeah that 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 exactly um that's how I feared Captain America would be but Chris Evans made me take Captain America seriously so that one's just tough for me because I don't I don't really know Captain America from the comics that well. Right. That's fair. That was that was my only that was my last shot to beat the Christopher Reeves comparison. Now I can't think of anything. Yeah. Oh well. Christopher Reeve or J.K. Simmons? Christopher Reeve or Brandon Ralph. <laughs> Well, Brandon Routh was basically just doing a Christopher Reeve. I know. <laughs> Do you like mine? <laughs> what was yours again? Christopher Reeve or J.K. Simmons. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. <laughs> that one That one stumps me. That's tough. <laughs> I'm nearly willing to say J.K. Simmons on that one. We got to read the Invincible comics. Because <laughs> once again, once again, super, Christopher Reeve is a good... Like, this is what I think of when I think of Superman. But J.K. Simmons is like, 
is so absolutely pitch perfect is Jameson. And Jameson's such a specific character who I don't think has ever really changed that much in the last 60 years. Jameson's just Jameson. And he plays that so perfectly. Reef plays a a one of the good versions of Superman. He plays a Superman very well. J.K. Simmons just plays Jameson well. What about... So think- uh, oh, I always get these two mixed up. Hold on. George Reeve or... Uh- Tim Daly or George Newborn, the animated <laughs> Superman. Uh, did George Reeves versus? Yeah, or, or George, George Newborn. Newborn. Yeah, Superman versus Superman versus Superman. <laughs> I, I'm not going to speak on George Reeves. I haven't seen him. Oh, sorry, Christopher uh, Reeve. My bad. Christopher Reeve. Uh, yeah, Christopher Reeve versus uh, Tim. De- yeah. See, okay, that, that's Christopher Reeve really versus just- Kevin Conroy. I won't do that to you. <laughs> you don't have to answer. <laughs> You're asking me to put the the two best against each other. I'm asking you to do a Sophie's choice. <laughs> Christopher Reeve versus Kevin Conroy. I can't do that one. <laughs> that I won't do it. <laughs> Shoot me. That one's up. <laughs> yeah. See, that one's very tough for, for me because it's more, I don't think, I don't think either one is really better even, but okay. What I will say, I might have to lean towards Kevin Conroy just because people really know Henry Cavill as Superman. Now, not everyone has seen the 70s Superman movie. You just watched it for the first time recently, as you said, um, basically everybody today still knows Kevin Conroy as the definitive voice of Batman now and forever. So Christopher Reeve is just a, mind you, for me, the definitive version. But for a lot of people, it's Cavill. That's fair. Tyler Tyler Hecklin's getting a pretty good following lately as well. Who's Tyler Hecklin? The the Superman on TV now, Superman and Lois. Oh, yeah, he's pretty good. He's, He's getting a good following now too, but I think Kevin Conroy is just in terms of iconography in association with his character. You're asking the hard questions today. I am. I think that's the hardest question I could do. (laughs) Yeah. I could go really stupid and be like Mark Hamill or Kevin Conroy. It's like, I'm not going to do it. (laughs) Yeah. One doesn't exist without the other, which is true. Pretty much. (laughs) <laughs> two of the best the best duo in animation superhero I was talking it was funny I was talking to a buddy at work where it was like uh, um, <laughs> we were talking about who's like the best Joker it's like oh it's because he was on the Golden Globes and like oh it's Mark Hamill and then his like girlfriend at the time was like it's like ah that's not even like live action it's like no listen <laughs> mm-hmm. it's definitive and they were like okay hey, who's your favorite Joker and she said, I think she said, uh, Joaquin Phoenix. And we're like, that's not even Joker. <laughs> like it is, but it isn't. We're just, well, we just kind of messing if around. I guess if we're going Kevin Conroy versus Mark Hamill, though, I think I have to say Kevin Conroy. Because I've seen. Because yeah. you just listed, uh, you know, Heath Ledger, um, 
and Joaquin Phoenix. I've seen other great portrayals of Joker. Kevin Conroy is still the best Batman I've seen. Nobody else brings Fair. the nuance that he does to that role. It, he's so been, good that when he read the final speech in The Dark Knight, he made it somehow ten times better. It's crazy. Yeah. I don't know how he fucking did it. <laughs> he's so good. His voice is his superpower. Oh, no. Someone's going to do it. They're going to AI, like, replicate the la, Dark Knight la, of la, Kevin. La, <laughs> trying to, I'm trying to block the audio so no one can steal that idea. Okay, I'll do it then, Joe. Will you be happy? La, la, la. I don't want to hear that either. <laughs> As the guy in the debate who was against AI, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Your hypocritical Alrighty. journey is completed. I'll only do it for money. Anyway. <laughs> that's the most hypocritical thing a person can say. Anyway, okay. Uh, I think I'm done. <laughs> yeah. We're going to end it on AI? Really? Oh, no. <laughs> ah, fuck it. Well, you can find me at Ryan Walker Official on YouTube, TikTok, and on Instagram. And I am prepared this time. Sorry for last week. You can find me on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at Thought Play Media. Also, check out the close-up Ryan and Joe Facebook page for latest updates on the show. If you listen to us in audio, check out our YouTube channel. And if you're on YouTube, find us anywhere you get your favorite podcasts. We hope to see you on the next Close Up with Ryan and Joe. Till next time. Take care. <laughs>